0: Welcome to the podcast, All My Friends Are Therapists. My name is Annie Kendig, and I'm a licensed mental health professional. And although I have my own therapist, my friends always end up filling in the gaps. Each episode will be real talk, mental health topics, with a licensed mental health counselor who turns all of her friends into therapists. All right. Welcome, everybody, back to the All My Friends Are Therapists podcast. Today, I have a therapist and friend here with me, Amy Sullivan. Amy, thank you for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Annie. Of course. Amy and I met when we were um, working together in a private practice in Cincinnati mm-hmm. um, and just have stayed connected since then as you've gone on to specialize in different things and I've gone on to niche in certain things. Mm-hmm. That's a little nod to Brian. Thank right. you for having <laughs> And
1: uh, Brian, we're both niche. Yes, we're <laughs> properly,
0: I think. Um, and now, just kind of working together, being side by side group practice owners, mm-hmm. which is fun. So, is. I want to hear about that. But, introduce yourself. Tell us um, a little bit about you and what you specialize in, and your practice, and anything else you want us to know.
1: Sure. So, I'm Amy Sullivan. I own rooted compassion counseling and consulting and we have a really nice staff of therapists who um, specialize in offering counseling from a somatic perspective meaning um, how do the that body of the body mind and spirit kind of connection how's the body play into that where a lot of people are focused on the mind we're mm-hmm. focusing in on the body and then connecting that to the mind so. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: You use a special theory or kind of conceptualization. Yeah. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah. So I was introduced to the polyvagal theory about a decade ago when I was a massage therapist specializing in infant massage. Oh, yes. So I... Um, met the polyvagal theory as the science behind how babies attach to their caregivers. And as I started to study that and understand that, it kind of blew me away. And I started kind of practicing some of the um, things I was learning with my own family, even though my kids were older. I was starting to pay attention to how my tone of voice impacted them. Oh, gosh, Amy. (laughs) I don't want to hear about these things right now. Oh, no. I'm going to have to ask you. Okay. I know. Um, And just started kind of evaluating what I was doing in that realm. It changed. I was a trainer in the massage world at that point. It changed how I interacted with um, folks taking the trainings I was offering Uh, how I interacted with my family. And it was a big part of what I wanted to do in moving from massage into counseling, right? So, yeah, so I went back and got my master's in counseling. And as I was graduating and trying to figure out for myself, how do I bring this theory into counseling? Deb Dana's book was published, The Polyvagal Theory and Therapy. And I read that, which was incredibly helpful. And then I started to kind of marry her perspective with mine because mine was a little bit different than what she brought forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still the same key concepts. And I'm I'm lucky enough now to be uh, one of fourteen international trainers with oh my her gosh. team. So we're that's fantastic. Yeah, offering trainings in how do we use the polyvagal theory in counseling all over the world. So, what would you say is like a perfect client for you? (laughs) Anyone who has a nervous system. Okay, right. I do specifically work with people who have had trauma. So we see the effects of the autonomic nervous system moving into that flee, fight, or freeze response pretty clearly with people who have experienced trauma. Mm. Everybody moves into some version of flee, fight, or freeze, not only when we feel physically unsafe, but it also happens when we feel emotionally unsafe. Mm. And that's the part that I think most people don't know. And I wish people knew it looks different because very typically, if a tiger's coming at you, your first instinct is going to be to run. Mm -hmm. If I'm feeling emotionally unsafe, my first instinct might be to get out of here, but we're not typically going to run that flee can look like an addiction. It can look like consciously deciding I'm not going to talk in this conversation because I don't want to be noticed. I don't want to interact. I'm just going to kind of pull myself out, Mm -hmm. which honestly can be a safe thing to do. But um, people can also pattern into pulling themselves out and then not really participating fully in relationships or friendships, right? Which is... Yeah, something we want to help people get that sense of emotional safety back so that when they come to that flee, fight, or freeze reaction, they know better how to move towards that safety again. So, you were talking about this somatic response. So, usually, are your clients
0: coming to you going, Hey, I've got this in my neck? Or, like, are they aware of that somatic bodily response? And that is usually kind of the the impetus to come see you or does it work the other way that you're helping them kind of connect with their bodies in that?
1: So honestly, when people come with like, I have this sore shoulder and I think it's related to something emotional, I'll very typically refer them to Megan Kopak in my practice or Kimber Andrews because they both have uh, training in yoga. Mm. And so they're both using not a full yoga session in therapy, but different pieces of yoga to help people start to move and understand the way their body is. That's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. Megan's trained in applied polyvagal theory in yoga. So, and she will share some things at team meetings and I'm just blown away by
0: Whoa. her. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. So for me, I typically see people who have experienced trauma. That's typically why they're coming. They may or may not be aware of their bodily, you know, mm-hmm. pains or, or, or maybe they're aware of them. It's pretty hard to not be aware of those. Yeah. Um,
0: but or that connection. Maybe they don't yeah, know that. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, um, You've done a good job already, but if you were to give like a summary of the
1: polyvagal theory, Mm -hmm. could you help us there? Yeah, it really helps us understand that it is our autonomic nervous system that drives our uh, responses when we don't feel emotionally safe. Mm -hmm. It also teaches us and helps us understand that our as mammals, as human beings, our bottom line drive is to survive. And that our nervous system knows that we have to be connected to other people in order to do that. So when you look at all mammals, we live in pods or, Mm -hmm. you know, groups or packs. Mm -hmm. And the polyvagal, so poly meaning more than one. What mammals have is two branches of the vagus nerve. The second branch comes up into our head helps us vocalize it helps us hear and it helps us use our muscles of facial expression really well all of those things are about our social connection with others yeah
0: right because we're constantly looking at other people's facial expressions and evaluating and all that kind of stuff am i saying the right thing are they bored Uh, did they get it Right. right. Yeah. Like when I was telling my husband something this morning and his eyes were just completely glazed over, yeah. I was like, Are you listening? He's right. like, Yes, I'm focusing very hard.
1: Right. I'm like, Okay. Great, <laughs> right. 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 Okay. But I think the the most significant one is that tone of voice. And as soon as you sort of bring it to someone's attention, they're like, Oh yeah. And I just I tell my clients all the time, if you came in and I was like, Hi, mm-hmm. thanks for mm-hmm.
0: coming.
1: In. <laughs> we're gonna talk about your problems now. Yeah. I wouldn't see you again. But if I'm just myself, which is expressing interest, giving mm-hmm. good eye contact, you know, asking the appropriate questions, even those verbal bursts are what we call them. And you just did one. Mm-hmm. Oh, we all do. them, yes. And it's a way that we express connection and understanding with each other. So when I
0: talk on the phone. Yeah. To somebody that I don't know, and my voice pitch is five times higher than it usually is, you know, I'm yeah. a pretty low voice, and you know, that's normal. So what's the reason for that? Like I'm the higher, you know, I've heard that. Like the higher voice, like how we talk to babies. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of raises their voice higher. Is that to increase the safety?
1: Yeah. So we are born with the capacity to hear middle C two octaves above and two octaves below as a safe tone of voice. And Dr. Porges refers to that as mother ease. What? That when we go into this, high, swim, right? I'll tell you a funny story about that. My son played a high level of soccer for a long time. Okay. So he's 17 years old. He's all hairy and stinky and buff, right? <laughs> and know. he's out there with his team playing and he scores a goal and this one mom was walking by, and she's like, oh, my gosh, he scored a goal. <laughs> and I was just like, this is so mismatched. That tone of voice with her seemed appropriate for, like, a five-year-old yeah, who scored a goal. Yeah. At this age, it's like, man, dude did great. Like, awesome. Yeah, like, way to go, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, wow, that tone of voice is so... Mismatch where it almost or, felt like condescending. It did feel condescending. interesting, yeah, yeah, interesting. And I don't think she had any awareness of that. Of course Most not. of us don't. And when we bring it, and so my daughter is twenty two, we had a interesting teenage. Yeah. years, And
0: <laughs> that's the most polite I've ever heard any mom well, <laughs> say about your
1: teenage daughter. Don't have girls too late in your life because when they're going through puberty and you're, and you're going go- through <laughs> menopause at the same time, I told oh. my husband, like, why don't you just take your son mm-hmm. and go get an apartment? I'll call you when it's all over. Oh my, right? <laughs> oh I'm my gosh. Joking, I but- no,
0: I I think I would hate to hear my mom's response to how that
1: went with us. So yeah, probably very similar. She and I would use a tone with each other. And then immediately both feel disrespected. And so I would say to her, watch your tone. Mm-hmm. With a tone, right? Mm-hmm. And she would say, I'm not using a tone. And so we had to develop this language. Instead of that accusing, mm-hmm. don't use that tone mm-hmm. with me. Our key word was ouch. Oh, and yeah. so if one or the other said, ouch, then we would try to lower our tone. Interesting. And now we're to the point where we can say, she'll say to me that, that hit hard. Cause like, ouch was the only word we could find when sure. we were so triggered. Sure. Now we feel safe enough with each other that she'll say that one hit hard. And I'll just consciously say, oh gosh, I didn't yeah. realize if I bring my tone down like this, is it better? And there was this time period where she would say, "You know, we would both deny having a tone." Yes. Oh my God. (laughs) And we had to get to the point where the listener was allowed to decide if it was a tone, not the speaker.
0: Mm.
1: Because even then, I noticed just because I'm acutely aware to it that my tone changed when I was saying that, but. Yeah, that the listener gets to decide if the tone is too harsh for their ears. Okay, so how do I explain this to my three-year-old? Right. Because he mm-hmm.
0: absolutely has a tone and I, or an attitude, and mm-hmm. it. I know that it triggers me, mm-hmm. and I know that when he is arguing with me, he doesn't, A, know that he's arguing. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know that he's back-talking, right? He doesn't know these things, mm-hmm. but he's still doing them. Yeah. And... You know, you don't have to say it with that tone. I mean, I know that I'm, you know, here I am, the adult telling him, mm-hmm. don't use that tone with me. Right. <laughs> He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Yeah. So how do you say that to a three-year-old? Yeah. I have to be the one to go, I don't think you meant that's. So that's what I end up doing. Okay,
1: what, so- what I would say to my kids is I can hear you better if you can speak more softly yep. or if you can slow down. Mm-hmm. Or I can hear you better. Let's sit down on the floor and whisper these things to each other. Because then, when you whisper, you can't have a tone. Oh my gosh. So. And when you both sit down, it's totally. I tell adults this if they're arguing. On the same level? Well, yeah, with kids. But even if you're arguing as adults, try to sit on the floor and argue. (laughs) You can't. (laughs) Yeah, you can't. Wow. So, I, have to, I don't do a lot of work with couples, but, but <laughs> yeah, I have told either. them. But yeah, that sit would be a great.
0: Ooh, I love because that. it
1: just brings everything down. So,
0: my um, supervisor, when I was a counselor trainee, and I still consult with her, Charlotte, love her. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. She once told me the story that will forever stick with me about dealing with her teenage daughter. Mm-hmm. And she would come home, and the teenage daughter would try to pick fights with her or whatever. And Charlotte would go, I don't really feel like having an argument right now. Yes, but if you want to come back in about thirty minutes, yes, maybe we can argue then. Yep. And she said it would just completely diffuse because she would whisper, and mm-hmm. she was messing with that. I,
1: I don't know if she never said, you know, we polyvagal know. or this is why, but it's somehow right. We all know the polyvagal theory information. It's just being presented in a way that helps us more deeply understand our emotions and our bodies and the connection between them Mm. and how we interact with others. So now you know the context for Charlotte's whispering. Yes. She may or may not have known it. Yes. But now that you know that piece of information, you're going to go home and interact with your kids differently. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the whispering might help and it might not. Yeah. This is the thing. Everybody's nervous system is different. So we try things out. My son doesn't like the whole tone thing. Okay. He likes logic and facts. Yeah. He also prefers to text, which at first I was really resistant to, but now I'm like, who am I to tell my kid? Like, he's 19. I'm open to any information. Yeah, right. (laughs) That he's sharing with me in any way, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. And then. And then when we interact, it's more playful. Let's play cards. Let's go for a walk. Let's okay. watch, you know, a soccer game together.
0: So that's you figuring out what yes. their connection kind of yes. language is. Yep. Do you do that with your clients too? Or do you yes, feel like you absolutely. have to f- learn that?
1: Yeah, for sure. For Are you sure. Are like making
0: little notes of like, this is this person's connection? I don't
1: connection write much? during session, but I do in my head and then write it down afterwards. Wow.
0: Why don't you write during session? Um, I've thought about doing that. I wondered what it would do for the rapport building, things like that. I wonder if people don't like the note taking.
1: I, some people have said to me, I wonder what they're writing down. Sure. Did I just say something crazy? (laughs) Right. Like that kind "Ah, of thing. I will tell you what I did do, Annie, is I made a little note card. Like you have your notepad Mm. of like homework ideas, writing prompts. Yeah.
0: My little prescription pad.
1: Yeah. I have four boxes and one box is what did we notice about your nervous system today? Ooh, what are writing cool. prompts because i'm a writing circle facilitator yes. so writing is big for me mm-hmm. um what came up what were themes yeah and yeah. then homework or whatever Usually yeah that's what i'm writing. so down homework. themes nervous system homework and writing prompts
0: very cool and yeah. then that's what they take mm-hmm. away so that's what you're writing in session but then you're but
1: i do that out, at the so end sure. like five minutes left what did you see as our themes today what did you? What did we name about your nervous system today? So we're Wonderful. kind of re summarizing. I love hearing other people's
0: other therapists' kind of like
1: bedside manner in that way of like, what well, do you was do? Totally in inspired session? by you. I loved it.
0: Oh I, my little note card. Yeah. Oh,
1: thank you. Yeah, yeah, I went into Canva and I'm like, what can I use? And then I had Jordan, my social media yeah. person, created and.
0: Oh, cool. Thank yeah. You. Well, and that came out of I wanted. Like nobody remembers anything. That's in right. Between sessions, so that's
1: right. And I want to be a doctor, so mm-hmm. I like to. <laughs> they have, like they have their prescription pad. <laughs> I can't write medicine, oh, but, but here's your yeah. Here's your journal prompt. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um. So we've talked about the vagus nerve. So yeah. I think we talked about. You said it had two branches and you mm-hmm. talked about the one branch. Did you yeah. want
1: to conclude with the first branch? I mean, that first branch again, well, the original, like phylogenically, when we look at this, the branch that is in every living living being, uh-huh. that branch is the same branch in us that goes into our torso and innervates every organ in our torso. That's the branch that does the fight or flight or freeze response. It stimulates all those responses. Then when we, so I use a fourth F called flock Mm. as our connection, as our social connection piece. So that's the second branch of the vagus nerve that we see in mammals and no other species that helps us connect with others again through how we express our tone, how we hear and and our muscles well, of facial seeing. expression. Doctor Porja has also created something called the Safe and Sound Protocol. I've heard that, which is a listening protocol. I'm and sure we from offer you. this, yeah, through okay. our office. So it's a phenomenal program that um, Nikia Smith, our program coordinator, runs, and it is a. Um, five hour in total done over a minimum of 10 sessions can be done virtually where people listen to music that's been altered. And that listening actually challenges not only the branch of the vagus nerve that helps us hear, but also the connective tissue and muscles because the ear has to work to hear different sounds. Mm -hmm. It's not this stagnant thing that we have to, it, it works to like, um, figure out tones and frequencies sure. and all that kind of stuff. So the way the music is altered challenges us, and and that challenge actually helps settle our autonomic nervous system. So just for example, she was working with somebody who lives out of town. Um, after about seven sessions, and we're in touch with their therapist. You have to be in therapy to receive this.
0: Oh, very cool.
1: So very cool. Um, the therapist reaches out to Nakia and said, I've been seeing this client for I think it's like two years. She has never entered the room smiling. Mm. She is now smiling. What? And Nakia was like, I noticed it too. She would show up for the virtual sessions and now she's interactive, smiling. Wow. More connection. Right. So, and, and this program started in working with people who have autism and that's what they saw was all these increased pro-social behaviors simply from listening to this altered music that um, challenged the nervous system enough to to actually help it settle and be more open to connection with others.
0: That is fascinating. That is so cool. You know, my first, um, Introduction to the vagus nerve was actually with my therapist. Mm -hmm. It was the first time ever, and she just very um, quickly told me about the vagus. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's why I'm saying this. The vagus nerve, like, being in uh, your lips, running from your lips to your brain.
1: I never heard that.
0: Oh, geez. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So if you go straight back in your mouth and hit the back of your throat, you're going to actually hit the vagus nerve through You're the like you're not touching. It's like the back of the throat is here and the vagus nerve is here. Oh, okay. So, for example, when you hum mm, and you can hear or feel the back of your throat uh, vibrating, that's stimulating the vagus nerve. So, humming is a really good way to Mm, stimulate the vagus nerve. And it's tricky when the vagus nerve gets stimulated, we calm.
0: Sure. Because that's what's sending, it's somehow sending all those... Impulses to the heart to slow the heart rate. Okay, so when you're talking about um, this autonomic arousal, I'm thinking heart rate, breathing labored, um, Mm. maybe sweating, pulse, all that kind of stuff. Uh And then I associate that with anxiety. Yes. So I think anxiety is big for people. I Absolutely. have a hard time treating anxiety. Anxiety is
1: tough. Mm-hmm. I think everybody experiences it in a lot of different ways. So, so funny. It's my favorite thing. Really? I find depression tough. I find anxiety exciting because yeah. there's movement with anxiety. Mm. My my thought on anxiety is I'm stimulated enough that I know I want something to be different. I just don't quite know how to Get there. And for me, the linking link missing link is felt safety. Mm -hmm. So if we're having anxiety, I'm helping us realize moments of felt safety, savor them, build on them. Because when we have that sense of felt safety, then our mind, our brain comes online enough. Because when we're anxious, our thinking brain is offline. Yes. So felt safety brings our thinking mind back, back online. online to be able to make decisions, yes,
0: problem solve, yes, yeah. So then, w- let's say somebody is in a social anxiety situation, yeah, or e- okay. So either in the moment you you choose, either in the moment of a social anxiety situation where they're feeling like, okay, I either got to fight, flight, or freeze, yes, or in my case, after the fact, when you're replaying yeah. everything over and over and over again, going, oh my God, did what, I right, that, what did uh, I say? Yeah. How did I come off? What Absolutely. do they think about me? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So which one can we go with Either to kind one. of go through? Okay, let's do both. Yeah, okay, okay no, those. The first one is being in that moment. Yes. So let's say a person is feeling all of those autonomic arousal mm-hmm. effects and they want to use the vagus nerve or the polyvagal theory to kind of come back online.
1: Yeah. Well, well first I always say you wouldn't run a marathon without practicing. So we want to identify what we think would help us. And practice those. Because the body likes memory. It likes repetition. So if we're going to use breathing to help us calm down, we don't want to start practicing breathing when we're in the middle of a difficult situation, right? We just start with two minutes a day, where you breathe simply so that your exhale is longer than your inhale. Mm. And that your body starts to learn that and then it will respond when you start doing that in a difficult situation. Mm -hmm. Right. So the first key is this is going to happen. I know it because it's been happening for the last however long when I get in social situations, it's challenging. Okay. I
0: love just that. Yeah. I love that acceptance. Yeah. In the beginning, instead of where your brain goes of like, maybe this time it won't happen, mm. you know, or mm. yeah, or being worried about it happening. I'm like, OK, no, I, I know it's going to happen now. I can use that as an Let's advantage. let prepare. Yes. Yeah.
1: Very cool. So but so hopefully the practice is happening. Then we get in the social situation or whatever challenging situation. How do we remember to do that? This is all like practice, practice, practice. Okay. So hopefully the person remembers, oh, I'm supposed to tap my fingers because that helps me be calm or I'm going to breathe, you know, in this certain pattern because I know that helps me to calm down or I'm going to look for a friend because Mm -hmm. I know that... If I'm with that friend, I'll calm down in this social situation. I very often do that. Like I was going to dinner with some friends that I haven't seen in a long time. And I knew they were going to want to know about my sister who's in a really terrible situation right now. Mm. And I didn't know how it was going to go. And so I texted one of those people and said, will you just sit next to me? Wonderful. Right? If in they were like sure that's great i would love to and right so i like that preparation
0: oh i love that yeah because then that's so like you're implanting in the brain you're almost priming the brain for okay i'm gonna go into this situation and i already have a game plan i already know what i'm gonna do and if anything i've already imagined it yes what it's gonna look like and how it's going to work well yes and that's amazing Yeah. Um, Okay. How about that other situation?
1: Afterwards. So afterwards. Which is very often how it starts. Yes. Right. We look at what just happened and what could I have done differently. Mm -hmm. So that's how I learned. If I ID somebody to sit next to that I feel safest with, then I'll feel better. Mm -hmm. So, but you're talking about how do I stop that? Oh, my gosh, what did I do? What did I say? Did I make someone angry? Did I say something stupid? Yes. Yeah. So, again, I think connection is a great mm-hmm. thing. I just had brunch with a friend yesterday, and we were laughing about this same thing because she said, you know, when you've had too much to drink, and then the next morning you're running it over, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, I don't even have to drink to run the yeah, whole run it situation right. over in my right. mind. Right, right and uh, so and we were kind of laughing like oh my gosh I do that all the time so about an hour after we left from each other I texted her and said stop thinking about it yes you didn't do anything yes right
0: I've seen these cards that you can buy they're like little postcards and it says hey you know that interaction that we had last week it was wonderful it yeah. was lovely there's no reason to think about it blah, blah, blah. like it mm-hmm. it was perfectly delightful like have a great day it yeah. was just like dropping that in the mail to somebody who you know has this kind of social anxiety. Absolutely. Okay. So knowing in that moment, Mm -hmm. so let's say, you know, it's later in the day, I'm thinking running through and I'm starting to feel maybe now I've created those sensations because I'm thinking about it in the past. So I agree. I will have done and do often the same thing, where I will text somebody or call somebody that was there. Mm -hmm. Hey, when I said this, did you notice that anybody else kind of took that the wrong way, or was that just in my head? So that kind of feedback, but I don't always want to have to use somebody for that. Yes, and I don't want um, them to feel like they're my like social
1: coach or whatever. Yeah. So what would I do then? So I I do a lot of writing. Oh yeah. And here's the cool thing about writing, especially in relation to the polyvagal theory. So what I know from the polyvagal theory is that as I'm talking to you, I am unconsciously monitoring your facial expression and modifying <laughs> Annie just crossed her eyes at me <laughs> no, I to make me giggle. No. Um, <laughs> And I'm consciously then changing my message, how I say my message, what I do with my Mm -hmm. message to ensure connection or understanding. And that's all happening unconsciously. Now, I'm more aware of it because I know it. So having that information helps me. But when we write, especially when we're writing without the intention of ever sharing it,
0: Yes. Now
1: I'm meeting my true self because I'm not writing. God love. Shout out to Diane DeBevick who taught me this. I'm not writing for anything except myself. Yes. So this is where I meet my true feelings, my true thoughts, my true understandings. Oh, I love that. And um, for me, that's a great way to sort of run through what happened. You know, what what am I looking at here? What was my framework for saying that thing or, you know, um, and it's almost always connection. I almost always say stupid things because I'm looking for connection, which is like that doesn't make any sense. But it's that sort of that that part of me that's looking for connection that says stupid things is actually probably some kind of wounded part of me
0: yes and I think that's where that anxiety comes from too right is you're trying to like lick your wounds and like reassure and and that's how it is for me too where it's just like okay I need some reassurance on something and especially this specifically this specifically so what is that certain thing trying to tell me that Mm -hmm. I need or what wound is that mirroring back to me that's just fascinating the That's other heavy. thing
1: that happens for me is I almost always put my hand to my heart. Mm. This helps me feel grounded and not alone, even though it's my hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I use a process that Tara Brock, Tara yes. Brock describes in Radical Compassion. Yes, her I've book, Radical her. Compassion, which um, the acronym is RAIN, recognize the feeling, allow the feeling. Investigate it and then nurture. Oh, and she didn't. She didn't develop this. I I'm trying to remember the woman's name because I want to give her credit. Someone just informed me of this. Oh, okay. Um, it might be Susan or Sarah McDonald or something. Anyway, but Tara describes it amazingly well in her book Radical Compassion. Okay, cool. And that's been the thing that has helped me a lot. So, if I'm starting those thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, hang on. Let's just check in with me. Yeah. And say I was really worried about something I said yesterday at my Mm -hmm. brunch with my friend. I could reach out to her and just simply say, you know, I'm feeling a little anxious about this thing. Was that offensive? Or, yeah. So, and actually, when I reach out to an individual person with that kind of question, I'm strengthening our relationship. Agreed. Because I'm telling them that I care about our interactions. Yes. But I get your point of like, I'm asking this person if my actions in front of a whole group of people (laughs) were okay. That's different. Yeah. So um, I like just checking in with people, which most of us don't do.
0: Right. And then you just caught in this spiral. Yep. Which is tough. Yep. Okay. Um, I think we covered just about everything that we wanted to cover. If was there anything that maybe we left out that you wanted to?
1: No, just that we're, that the podcast is coming mm-hmm. sometime soon. You're, so, so say yeah. more about that. So, Go I'm ahead. starting a podcast with a friend of mine named Courtney Rolfe, who's mm-hmm. in Chicago, and it's called Stories from Vegas. Mm-hmm. Meaning the vagus nerve. And spell Vegas. V-A-G-U-S. Very cool. Is Thank the you. vagus nerve. yes? Sorry, sorry. And we're going to be hilarious. interviewing people whose lives have been impacted by the polyvagal theory. Some of the people we train with. And then um, also just giving snippets of education mm. around the polyvagal theory. How to practice breathing. What does that look like? What does um, stillness... With the sense of felt safety, look like as opposed to the experience of stillness because we're we froze, right? So, there's that continuum of we all can move into this stillness when we do it with felt safety. It looks like this quiet interaction with another, meditation, yoga, whatever, reading, reflecting. When we're in some level of stillness because we feel unsafe, that's actually some level of freeze. So there's this spectrum which Very cool. We could go, you know, for another yeah. hour on that. Right. So I'll wrap it up. Okay, <laughs>
0: Um, I did have one thing I wanted to kind of circle back to, you know, Mountain Mindset Counseling has recently kind of done this rebrand for helping um, moms and kind of therapy for moms. Yes. So with the polyvagal theory, what would you, what do you want moms to know?
1: Yeah. Um, So this is how I met it right in the world of infant massage. Yeah, it's great. Um, So how your child looks at you, especially up to year one, that if they're not giving you a lot of eye contact, it's their signal that they need a timeout, especially if it's like darting. If they're just staring at a fan, which a lot of babies like to do when their body is still, then they're probably pretty happily content but if they're not getting a lot you're not getting a lot of eye contact and it's a little bit darting that's a signal from them that they want to calm they also splay their fingers remember we used to do that talk to the hand yeah babies do that a lot and it is an indication babies talk through their body they don't yet have words so they're telling us exactly what they need by their tone of voice Mm -hmm. so the tone of their cry means something different again moms know this instinctively and then their body movements also tell us again with
0: but the vagus
1: nerve is in charge of suck swallow digest eliminate Mm -hmm. and breathe Mm. so when a baby is born what are the first five things they have to do to stay alive that's all Vegas nerve wow. work.
0: So I should probably now, having this information, I'll probably now look at my one-year-old a little differently. And what mm-hmm. we've noticed with him, I think I'm too late in noticing when he needs a break. It happened this weekend. And then earlier in this week, I had a friend over for a play day. We were hanging out and all of a sudden he is just besides himself and he cannot, he's losing it and, it's not ready for nap yet. He's not hungry, all the stuff. And so what I did was I turned off all the lights. Yes. And we had like quiet rest time. And yep. we took away all the bad, you know, loud toys. Not bad, but loud toys. And we sat up, put a blanket on the floor. We sat on the floor, fixed him right up. Yep. And same thing with this weekend. We have like Christmas lights. <laughs> my husband's decoration. Christmas lights <laughs> up and they're all on and he's freaking out or whatever in the minute we turned those Christmas lights down. He was cuddling and head on your shoulder and just.
1: Mm. So he's telling you that his nervous yes. system wants more on the end of quiet. Yes. And I actually think all kids do. Mm-hmm. We didn't give our kids toys that made noise.
0: Yeah, I've heard that. Like, and
1: if somebody place? gave us something when the battery Ran out. We just said it's broke.
0: I have a neighbor little kid that comes over and none of my toys. Yes, I do the same thing. Yeah. It just, you can still play with it. It just doesn't make all the epileptic flashing things. And he comes over and he goes, all these toys are broken. You need new toys. I'm like, no, they actually still work, yeah. but like,
1: hopefully he won't say you need new batteries and yeah, then your kids right. will be on to you. Yeah. No, I don't want yeah. to do that Yeah. Okay. So okay, it really cool. is. And I will also say this, the body and our emotions are like toddlers. So toddlers come to you with like a mom, mom, mommy, Yeah, mommy, <laughs> <Right>. mommy. <gasps> so we don't ever typically in a, Traumatic situation we do, but in general life, we don't typically go from zero to panic attack. We go to concern, worry, you know, whatever, level up. So if we can start to pay attention Mm -hmm. to the concern and respond to the concern by building felt safety there, Oh, we have less of a chance that we go to panic.
0: I love this. And, you know, when we were having our um, pre-record meeting, Yes, which, if you want to find out why I don't call them powwows anymore, uh, that's coming up in an episode about Good. Uh, how to have hard conversations. Yep, uh-huh. that was a great little awakening moment. That was fun. Um, what you said during our pre-record meeting was you know, our bottom line drive is for connection.
1: Yes, we well, know as human beings that in order to stay alive, we have to be emotionally and physically connected to other people and so our nervous system will drive us to do that even without our conscious awareness so
0: then when for some reason we're picking up that we are being disconnected from our system goes haywire
1: yes to a certain extent Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. all right and every nervous system is different so how we go haywire is different that's that is the word you used? You. We Some go haywire. Yeah.
0: Fascinating. Thank you so much, Amy. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Are you ready for your lightning round? Oh, my God, yes. I didn't know we were doing one. Well, every guest gets five lightning round questions. Five. And the I got this idea. I'll recap again. Um, I got this idea from uh, Rain Wilson and Reza Aslan have a podcast called Metaphysical Milkshake, ah. and they bring people in and they talk about like life's biggest questions, yeah. which is like mind blowing. Like yeah. does like the like the ones that I thought were really cool was like. Um, does God have a gender? That mm. was a really interesting one. Mm. Or what happens after no. we what happens? God does not have a gender. <laughs> what go happens ahead. after we go to or what happens after we die? You know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. really cool that they're having. But I love that they end their podcast with these lightning round and you're meant to answer quickly. Okay. But they're like really, really deep questions. Got it. Which I think is funny. I'm okay. Good. Number one. Mm-hmm. What part of reality are you struggling with right now?
1: Um, most of it.
0: Number two, um, why are we here? You invited me to
1: be on this podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> why are we here as a species, humankind? Why are we here?
1: I, I already answered this question. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. we just,
0: or we spent 40 minutes oh, talking about right, it to connect right, right. maybe. Um,
1: um, what do you wish everybody would know? About the information I just shared, that your nervous system informs your mental health more than anything, more than your mind, more than anything.
0: What color and sound is most associated with
1: homeostasis? Different for every human being, every nervous system. Mm -hmm. For me, I love a purring cat and I love purple Very cool. Mm -hmm.
0: All right. So um, if we're kind of taking this information and going forward, what does that forward look
1: like? The information we just talked about. Mm -hmm. For me, it looks like sharing it and helping people understand how to feel better in their life. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you so much, Annie Yeah. Thanks, Annie.